Can we just give some thanks really quick to, uh, to our wonderful worship team who's up here this morning, led us in worship. You guys did a great job. I'm so thankful for the gifts and the talents of God's people. Um, God is just so good to us. He is so good to us. And this has been, like Tim said, it's been a challenging season. But my goodness, the Lord has been so good to us in the midst of it. Uh, A couple quick announcements before we get really started into things today. Um, Again, thank you for everybody who, who attended and who helped out and supported our memorial service for Eric Knight, our dear brother, uh, who, who just recently passed. Um, the family has opened up the invitation to his interment, which is going to be uh, December 7th. It's going to be up at Sheltingham, and that will be at uh, 1.15 is when people need to arrive. Uh, it's a military uh, veterans uh, cemetery. They have very tightly scheduled um, situations there, so Please, if you're going to attend, please come at 1.15. That is, that's really the, the window that we are shooting for. And this is going to be another great opportunity to honor our brother and honor his family and honor his service to this great country. So I invite you to come and do that. Also, um, several of you may have seen in our email that went out, but it's, there's a good chance that some of you haven't heard. But uh, for those who knew uh, Walt Powell, he passed away uh, recently, very unexpectedly. And his family is holding a memorial service for him this upcoming Saturday at the Elks Lodge. That's going to be at 1 p.m. Um, I'd encourage you to come and support his family, uh, Pam and, uh, and the rest of uh, the Greenwells, who were, uh, have been part of this, this body for a long time. Um, Walt was a great, great man, uh, and I really enjoyed his, his joy and his exuberance, and um, I'm certainly going to miss him being here among us. So, again, I'd encourage you to go and and support the family in that. Um, we've been in a season where we've been praying a lot for healing, and we've been praying um, for many who have uh, who have come down with COVID. Some of you saw Pastor Daniel came down with COVID this this week, so we've been praying for him. He's doing well, but I'd con- I'd ask you to continue to pray for him, pray for his family, for protection over them, um, but that his healing would be steady and he'd come to a full and complete recovery. Uh, also. Some of you know uh, Pastor Rob from the mission. We've been praying for him for several weeks. It's been, uh, he's, he's kind of at a plateau place, folks. And so we are really pressing forward in prayer for him. So I'd encourage you, if you've been praying for Pastor Rob, continue to do so. If you haven't known about it, Pastor Rob and his brother, uh, Rich, have been, uh, they, they started up the mission, gosh, what was it, probably six, seven years, ten years ago, something like that. These are uh, twin brothers who have just such a heart for, for those that are in the greatest point of need within our community. And uh, so they've been helping the homeless. They've been helping uh, really the, the poorest and most destitute folks in our, in our community. And they've done it in such a, a, just a wonderful, um, giving and self-sacrificial way for such a long time. They're partnered with many of the churches here in the, in the county, and they do such a fabulous job. And um, Pastor Rob is the... He's, really the, the spiritual mentor over that house, and, and he's been fighting for his life uh, for COVID now, uh, against COVID now for several weeks. Many of us have been praying for him, and uh, so I just, I just encourage you, keep laying into prayer for him and for his family and for the mission as well. That's a, a huge community that's been impacted by this. Um, so we've, we've, we've been through a season ourselves here in this house with this, and I believe the Lord's been training us in how to contend for this. And so we are going to continue to contend for our brother. 
Uh, I shared last week, this is a lot of updates, <laughs> shared last week about um, our, our sister, Caitlin Guild, who got in a car accident coming here. Uh, for those of you that haven't been in our, in our communication threads, and we try to communicate as broadly as we can, but just an update for you there. She, she did uh, have a bad accident, uh, received a head injury, and, uh, and so she's been, she was very well treated, very well cared for. It was, it was thankfully um, not a life-threatening situation, and she has been recovering well, but she is still, it's going to be a process for her in recovery, so I'd, I'd ask you to continue to be praying for her. Uh, we do have a meal train that's up uh, to support her, and, um, and she is, uh, she's just thankful for all the prayers and, and everything. Uh, so thank you so much. That situation could have gone very differently. And I'm thankful that we stopped and we prayed when we did last week. And so some, several of you have asked. We've tried, to, like I said, we've tried to get the word out about it. Uh, but she's doing very well now, and we're, we're thankful for that. And we just pray, again, for her steady and complete recovery um, from that injury. So lots of... Uh, Lots of stuff that's been going on. We've, we've noted already uh, several times over the past uh, multiple weeks that this house has been under attack. All right, so we're, gonna, we're not going to focus on that here today, but I do want to focus on what the Lord has been doing with us as a people in this time because we've now for about a month been in a series on prayer. We've been focusing on learning more about prayer. The Lord has been teaching us and giving us opportunities to come and journey into him even deeper as we've been learning how to pray. You can be praying for, with the Lord for 55 years, and there's still something to learn about how to pray. And so it's important for us to have a humble heart before him and say, Lord, teach us how to pray. Teach me how to pray about this, Lord. What is it? What are you showing me now? And so there's, we're all in a learning mode in this. But he's been drawing us into this time, and he, we have seen his hand move in mighty ways. We've seen him uh, grow us in our, our confidence to go before him boldly for just asking incredible things. And I fully anticipate he's going to continue to draw us into that. So today we're going to be talking about a specific aspect of prayer, <clears throat> but it's not just exclusive to prayer. Uh, it's, a, it's a word, I believe, that's timely for the season we're in. We're in the week of Thanksgiving, and so it's important for us to talk about Thanksgiving in prayer, and Thanksgiving in our lives as Christians, as followers of Christ. This is an essential element to who we are in Christ. It's an essential element for how we live and how we face every situation that we come into, thankfulness and Thanksgiving. I've, I've preached some of the topics that we're going to be talking about today, some of the um, some of the scriptural passages that we'll be going through. I've preached it probably several times over the past few years. So if you're new to us, that's great. It's going to be fresh to you. If you are not new to us and you've been here, this is going to be another iteration of that. And I think what you'll hear is some of the stories we've gone through in a different light, in a different shade, and in a different depth. And in the context that we've been living through and that we are now in, I think it's going to hit you in a different place. Okay? I'll probably preach this type of message a boatload of times over my lifetime as a pastor because I think it's so core and so central to us. And for this house, for our Father's house, I think there's things that the Lord wants to install in us as a people when it comes to the topic of thanksgiving and thankfulness. You know, Tim was sharing up here just a moment ago about us giving, us tithing to the Lord and us having a heart of generosity. 
that comes out of a place of thanksgiving. When you go all the way back to Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel, it was Abel's offering and his sacrifice that God received. Because out of a place of thanksgiving, out of a place of honor to the Lord, he gave, he gave the Lord his first and his best. That principle didn't go to the grave with Abel. It was a type, it was a shadow, it was something that was, it was foretelling us a principle that God still cares about. Do we give him our first and do we give him our best? And thankfulness and thanksgiving puts us in a place positionally that is, is recognizing that we already are receiving and that we would like to continue to receive from the Lord. It puts us in a place of responsibility of the stewardship that he gives, of the things that he gives to us, to say, Lord, it's yours, and I am thankful, and I acknowledge it is yours, and I'm thankful, and I acknowledge that everything that I have, even every breath, my next breath, is a gift from you, and you are the giver, not the universe. Not just random biology. He is the giver of life. He is every breath we breathe is a gift. Every ability we have is a gift. Every spiritual gift you have is just that. It's a spiritual gift. And it's not for you to sit on like the one who buried his talent in the ground. It's for you to give back to the Lord in how you offer to him in your blessings of others. See, Tim nailed it. Our Father has a heart of generosity. God loved the world so much that he gave. And he gave unto death. Let that sink in a little bit. He gave of himself so much, demonstrated his love for us, was so high that he gave of himself to the point of death. But even beyond death, he gave new life out of that. Part of our growing in the Lord and and our maturing in him is that we become like him more and more and more. And his requirement of us is that, I'm so far off my notes right now, but this is where we're going. His requirement of us is that we give and we love like he does. In the law, what was the highest thing you could do? What was the, what was the greatest commandment in the law? Love the Lord your God, all your heart, soul, mind, strength. And the second is just like it, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, really, this, the law and the prophets are all summed up in these two commandments here. It's the greatest. But before he goes to the cross, what does he say to his disciples? He says, a new commandment I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. By this they will know that you are my disciples. He says, I'm the standard. This is what you live up to. And by the way, you can't do any of this without the indwelling of an empowerment of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to go away to the Father and I'm going to, we're going to send this one to you. And he's going to teach you all these things. And my requirement of you is that you love one another. When Paul writes to the husbands, what does he tell the husbands? Love your, love your wives as Christ loved the church. What did Christ do for the church? 
He gave himself up for the church, right? He sacrificed himself. He laid everything aside. He did not dominate the church. He laid himself down. We are to love as he loves. Now, part of that for us is that we show an attitude of thanksgiving. Not a put-on attitude of thanksgiving. It's important for us to learn how to abide in a place of thanksgiving and joy and rejoicing in the Lord. Prayer comes in and brings us to that place and keeps us in that place because prayer becomes intimate fellowship with our Father. It's intimate fellowship with the giver of life. It's intimate fellowship with the one who has a plan, the one who has the will, the one who has the purpose in the earth. At any given moment, we can come to him and say, what is it you want to do, Lord? I'm yours. I'm surrendered. And I'm thankful. I'm coming to you from a place of thanks. Let's go first to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Verses 16 through 18. Who's brought, who brought their Bibles today? Very good class. If you didn't bring your Bibles, it's okay. We have them up on the screen, but I encourage you. We get into the Word here. Someday everybody's going to raise those Bibles. Who's got their notebooks? Yay. If you don't have a notebook, get a notebook. Take some notes on your, um, on your phone. Shameless plug, I get no, no kickbacks or royalties from this at all. Uh, Uversion Bible app is the Bible app that I tend to use most often, and I'm just reading the Bible in my, on my phone. You can take notes on there. You can highlight things. You can share stuff with folks. You can, if you're driving in your car, push play and just listen to the Bible being read by any number of people that are that do that, and it is a fantastic way of getting the Word of God in you. This technology has really been helpful, and if you have the Version Bible app, and you've, you've had it over the past month, you know they just hit 500 million downloads worldwide. Amen. Praise God. And they continue, they continue to, Version Bible app, they continue to, um, to have more translations of the Bible added in for various, uh, various languages, and they're that is a group of people that said, let's go do this, and let's go do this well. And God has been blessing them. So uh, I use it all the time. So if you're looking for one, you didn't bring your Bible today, go ahead and download it. It's free. It's awesome. It's in Spanish, too. Yes. All right. First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Those three things right there are deeply impactful for us as we learn how to walk in those, own those, and recognize that's the environment that we're supposed to be living in as Christians. To be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. That doesn't mean I'm always happy. It doesn't mean I'm always jumping up and down and bouncing because we also know there's time for mourning, right? We also know that our souls get in anguish and we have to come before the Lord, right? So this isn't just a happy, happy, joy, joy all the time. This is, 
This is recognizing that as we stay in a place of prayer with the Lord, he enables us to have joy in the midst of sorrow. We know that you may be going through a depression, but you may have those moments where you come above the surface and it's joy, and you might go back down into it. But his promise is that he will continue to give you joy. Praying continually doesn't mean that every word that comes out of my mouth is a prayer. Or we'd never get anything done. But it does recognize that I stay in a place where my heart is attuned to him. And my default is to respond to him. It's to come back to him. In everything give thanks. In Israel, when they're giving sacrifice, they usually actually had to give a thank offering to the Lord, a sacrifice of thanks. It's part of the, the pattern that they had of actually physically giving a sacrifice of, of thanks. We have the opportunity now. We don't have to make animal sacrifices. We don't have to do those types of things. We have a better situation now. But it's when we're going through our most challenging situations, and we choose in that moment, because it's a choice, it's always a choice, we choose in that moment to thank the Lord. That is a sacrifice of thanks, and the enemy does not want you to do that. He does not want you to do that because he knows there's power that's released when you thank the giver. He doesn't want you thinking about him at all. He wants you stuck on your problem. He wants you to stuck on your pain. He wants you to wallow in that misery. He does not want you to grab hold of that lifeline and start hand over hand in your prayer of thanks coming up out of that thing. Because you know how it goes. You've probably tried this. You, write, you start writing a list of thanks. And all of a sudden you can start thinking about more things to be thankful for. And more things to be thankful for. And suddenly before you know it, you have thanks outpouring from you. You have a focus on the Lord. You start feeling a little bit more joyful about what's going on. You're communing with your Father, and, and His presence starts to come and be there with you. Now, the world will do this type of thing, too. The world will have to help people, you know, go right out down a list of things you're thankful for and, and all that. That's great. It's a principle that works. But there's life in it when you are thanking the giver. Not just, well... I feel good because it's important for me to remember the things that I'm thankful for. There's benefit to that. Don't hear me wrong. But the greatest benefit is when you come to your Father and you say, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you that you were the giver. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's go to Philippians chapter 4. Starting verse 4. Some of my guys who meet with me early on Wednesday mornings, 6 a.m. for Bible study, recognize where we're at. All right. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with what? With thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, 
which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have heard, whatever you learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Thanksgiving, focusing on the goodness of God, the loveliness of God, all the, all the benefits that he gives to us, is, is functioning in the opposite situation, in the opposite spirit of whatever environment we find ourselves in. You've heard me say it a couple of times recently. It's important for us as Christians to live from heaven towards earth, not earth towards heaven. Does that make sense? If we're seated in heavenly places with him, then our present reality is that we are with him. We're here on the earth sent as his ambassadors of his kingdom. And so we have the opportunity in every given, any given moment to be functioning in the environment of heaven. In Psalms 23, we see, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. If you're in the presence of your enemies, you're under attack or you're being ambushed in some way, right? You're in a place of being oppressed. But to have a table of fellowship with the Lord in the presence of that means that he has an environment and an economy that he's given you access to in any situation that you're in that is supersedes and is better than any situation that you're in. To encounter God's love when you're in the midst of trial, when you're in the midst of oppression, when you're in the midst of anything that would be coming against you, to attack you, is life-giving. He is so good. He is so good. Let's go to Psalm 100. We're going to jump all over the place today. This is just kind of getting us warmed up here. My Bible says, a psalm for giving thanks. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Stop right there. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. I'm going somewhere for us today. For us to recognize that we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. We have an identity in Him, and where we are located is His place. It's His territory. This is important for us to recognize. We are, we are kept by Him. We have an enemy. We have a very real enemy who has power. He doesn't have authority, but he has power. And he seeks to steal, kill, and destroy And he wants to rob you of everything that he can. Everything that he can. 
But we have a shepherd over us, his flock, and we reside within his pasture. And he intends to protect his pasture. I'm going to put a pin in that right there. Enter his gates with what? Thanksgiving. And his courts with? Praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. It didn't stop. It hasn't stopped. Some of, us, some of you are going through some hard stuff right now. And we're tempted in a place where the enemy, that serpent who's not creative... He keeps doing the same thing over and over again. keeps coming back to you and he'll say, Did God really say? Did God really do? Is he really good? Does he really want good things for you? If you do it your way, maybe it's going to be better. He's keeping good things from you. It's the same old lie. His faithfulness continues through all generations. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Lord is good. The pattern of how we come into his presence, the pattern for how we come to meet him, is in thanksgiving. It's in praise. And he's good. He is good. In Psalm 95, too. I'll start in verse 1. Come, let us sing for, for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you. We just thank you, Lord. Thanksgiving is a way of entering into his presence. It's a way of releasing his power. We see that, that pattern because thanksgiving and praise brings us into a place of intimacy with him. When we keep thanking him for what he's given us, even if it feels like it's a small thing, we're growing more and more intimate with him. We stay in that posture where we recognize that he's the giver, that we have relationship with him, that he hears us. It draws us into deeper levels of intimacy with him. Let's go to Second Chronicles. And we're going to go to chapter 20. We've been in this story a number of times. And this is the story of when Jerusalem was coming under siege and Jehoshaphat was king. There's three armies that were coming up against them. Now, it's interesting, if you look at the route that they came from, they're on, these armies kind of line up in the nations that are just to the east of the Dead Sea. I just think it's interesting that they're coming 
from across the Dead Sea around and attacking Jerusalem. And they're coming from the south. And they're, um, as they're coming up, Jehoshaphat recognizes that we don't have what it takes to beat these guys. The enemy brings a report of death. After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites, with some of the Mayanites, came to make war on Jehoshaphat. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, A vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the sea. That's the Dead Sea. It is already in Hazazon, Tamar, that is En Gedi. So that pretty, gets pretty close. It's southeast of, uh, of Jerusalem. They're coming up. They're getting ready to, to cross a rise that brings them up towards Jerusalem. So the enemy's getting close to the gates, basically. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in the front of the new courtyard and said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. O O our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, If calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. But now here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. Think about that for a moment. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. He's, he's speaking to the history of Israel as they're coming to, into the promised land. They were, they were not allowed by the Lord to take that territory. It was held back from them, and they listened. And so here we go. He's saying, we, we gave them reprieve, and now here they are coming in to take this land from us. That's injustice, right? And so he's recognizing this. Before the Lord. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance? O oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. This is a king whose heart is already after the Lord. He's demonstrated that throughout his reign. And He's in a place where he recognizes he's too weak to overcome this battle. And so he's doing the right thing. He's humbling himself before the Lord. He's recounting the history. He says, Lord, you put us here. We, our only defense is you. And so here we are. We're surrendered and we're submitted to you. He's yielded. He has a heart that's yielded to God. Through his journey in life, he has... He has been raised and he has chosen, because we see many other kings that choose completely opposite direction. He has chosen to represent and honor the Lord. And he knows that if he honors the Lord, 
God is going to uphold him by his righteous right hand. That's what he does, folks. That's what he does. He is good. His love endures forever. And so you have a king here who is doing just that. He's surrendering to God. And he's looking to him. Knowing that every good thing comes from this giver. He's ready to receive. All the men of Judah, with their wives and children and little ones, stood there before the Lord. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite and a descendant of Asaph, as he stood in the assembly. Asaph, as you may know, comes from a line of priests that are worshipers. You'll find in the Psalms a song of Asaph. And so there's, there's a family line that are given to worship. They carry that trait with them. And so here's someone down through that line who says, Listen, King Jehoshaphat, and do not, and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours but God's. You're standing on the authority of the one who has given you this land. You can't lose here. The battle is God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz. So he's being prophetic here, right? And you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your possessions. Stand firm and see the deliverance of the, the, the deliverance the Lord will give you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. So Jehoshaphat bowed with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. Then some Levites from the Kohathites and Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with very loud voice. Early in the morning they left for the desert of Tekoa, As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and the people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out ahead of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. We've mentioned this before, but this statement, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever, is a statement that we see echoed and reverberated across the history of Israel. And it's still true today. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Who sends worshipers out ahead of an army that's not armed for battle? Who does that? God's people do that because it's not our battle to fight. It's his battle to fight. Hallelujah. We find this. The armies, as they start to praise, (laughs) as they begin to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. They were defeated so badly, it took three days for Judah to go and clear out the valley of all the spoils that they didn't fight for. They didn't 
kill anybody. Do you get it? They didn't do it. The Lord did it. Has he done other things like this in their past history? Yes. Go back and look at Gideon. They came down with trumpets and torches inside glass jars, raised a shout to the Lord, blew the trumpets, and what happens? The army just goes and destroys one another. God has a, has a pattern of taking us to places where we recognize only he is the one who could have made it happen the way that it did. If you go into, um, into 1 Samuel, I'm not going to go all the way through this, but there's a couple highlights here. In 1 Samuel 16, we find, uh, at the end of 16, I'm not going to read it, we find that David who the Lord anointed as king, was basically, he had the spirit of the Lord. It says the spirit of the Lord would rush upon him after that. And the spirit of the Lord was, was attending to him. He was anointed king, but he wasn't king yet. Do you get that? Saul was still alive. And he ends up attending Saul because Saul has a wicked, evil spirit that's tormenting him. And David, who has a heart after the Lord, who we know is a worshiper, Right? How many pictures are there of David with the harp? Right, He's a worshiper. He's a man after God's own heart. He's one who's used to coming to, to the Lord. When you read in the Psalms, you hear him talking about praising the Lord, giving thanks to the Lord. These are things that are in his heart. Whether he had written those things before he was king or not doesn't matter. It's the heart of the man. He has a heart of thankfulness, of praise before the Lord. He demonstrates that in how he, how he maneuvers as a king, how he leads. We see that. And when he comes against the Philistine, Goliath, there's a few things that I want to point out here that that demonstrate this heart of thankfulness, this one who's recognized and yielded to the Lord, has great power in odds that would otherwise be completely obvious. This, This kid should get squashed by this giant, right? We love talking about David and Goliath stories. The world loves talking about David and Goliath stories. But the real David faced a real giant named Goliath. And here's what Goliath said to them. Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, This day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing this, the Philistine, hearing the Philistine words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Fear was in the heart of these people. And God sends one who lives in a place of thankfulness, lives in a place of yieldedness, lives in a place of surrender before him, who recognizes every victory that he has comes from the Lord. And when he, when he goes to Saul... Because he just can't stand. His righteous heart could not stand what was happening, the defiance of this Philistine against the armies of the living God. On our territory. They're in the land of Judah. And David doesn't, he can't stand that. He's, what? Isn't there a man that's going to go and, and face this Philistine? See, David recognizes that he can't lose in this situation because he's in the territory that belongs to them. He's in a place of covenant, and this man is defying the armies of God. He's defying God himself. And David says, I can't lose this, because the battle's not mine, it's the Lord's. 
The same thing that his descendants is told. The battle is the Lord's. It's the same thing that we're told today. The battle is the Lord's. Stand and watch him come and deliver. I just want to read what David says to him because it's just awesome. We find this in uh, verse 43. This is what this is what Goliath says to David. You've got to read these stories, folks. You've got to read these words because the cartoon versions of this are awesome, but they're not as good as the real thing. He said to David, Am I a dog that you would come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said. And I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. He's used to this striking fear in the hearts of people. Right? Fear in the hearts of people. David didn't come up to him timidly in any way. Listen to what David says. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will hand you over to me. Who does he recognize as handing him over? The Lord. And I'll strike you down and cut off your head. They don't, they don't talk about that in the cartoons. <laughs> David doesn't have a sword. How does he intend to cut his head off, folks? Read on. Today... I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Goliath said, I'm going to give your carcass to them. David says, I'm going to give all y'all's carcasses to them. (laughs) And, And the whole world will know that there's a God in Israel. This has nothing to do with me being aggrandized here. This has everything to do with the reputation of the one who owns this place, who I belong to. He's given into my hands the lives of a lion and a bear when they attacked my sheep. And the sheep of Israel, the sheep of God, right? Israel, his flock. Remember what we read? We are his sheep. We are of his flock. And here's one with a shepherd's heart that recognizes the parallel and says, I can't lose here. So you're all going to die today with confidence. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, what does David do? Yes. For those of you online who can't hear, we have from the audience, he comes at him with full force. (laughs) Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. Boom. He's, his head, his forehead's way up here. I don't know if you've ever tried to use a stone sling. It's kind of hard to be accurate with that. But David was practiced. And he hit him 
we know he has a helmet on, right? So he hits him somewhere between the eyes and his helmet. He sniped him while he's running. This guy. <laughs> he's a bad boy. That's right. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran over. This is the answer to how he cut his head off. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the scabbard. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. Boom! This guy. This is a heart of thankfulness before the Lord. It's heart of one who recognizes, I'm yielded to the Lord, I'm his servant. He is the one who fights these things. I get to walk in the victory. It's like Paul saying, I'll boast evermore in my own weakness, because when I'm weak, that's where he is strong. And I want him to be glorified. He's just so good. He's just so good. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5. Go back into the New Testament now. We have more admonishments here toward thanksgiving. We look at the beginning of chapter 5, we see this. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us, and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Thanksgiving sets our heart in the right place. It positions us in a place, in an environment, where we recognize him first. And let's go on to... Verse 15. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not be, get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and so- spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're to stay in that place of thanksgiving with him. I'm going to go into the last final story here that I think highlights the power of thanksgiving and the power of one who's living in a place of thanksgiving. We're going to go to John chapter 11. And John chapter 11 is where we find the story of where, uh, where Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead.
starts in verse 38 here, where we're going to read. Now, this is a powerful expression of the resurrection power of Jesus. When he demonstrated this, the shockwaves from this in the Israel community were huge. So much so that they were seeking Lazarus' life again <laughs> because it was such a great testimony. So we're just going to take a snippet out of that. For those of you who don't know, Lazarus and his sisters were friends of Jesus's, and they were dearly loved by him. And when Jesus was going to them, he knew that Lazarus was already going to be dead when he got there. But he also knew that he was going to raise him from the dead. And this is a setup by, by the father to demonstrate the power of his son. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. And Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Now, I'm going to pause here for a second. When Jesus was here on the earth, he walked on the earth as a man. He is still fully God. He's also fully man. And what he chose to do was to live as one whose life is surrendered to the Father and is dependent on the Holy Spirit. He did that to show us what was possible for us. He is the ultimate standard. None of us is ever going to be as big as Jesus. Although he has said, greater the works than these, you will do. Okay? So we're never going to be Jesus. Right? He is the standard. He is the firstborn. But he's the firstborn of many brothers and sisters, ladies. So his standard is high. So when he's coming here and he's, he's demonstrating this resurrection power, he's demonstrating it as one who is surrendered to the Father and the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Can we, can we get that? It's, this is a tension. This is part of the mystery of Christ and who he is. Okay? So we're not saying he's not fully God. He doesn't have power. No, he is. But he's demonstrating here a life of one surrendered to the Father. Okay. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, What? Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. Here's the son in this moment when he's about to raise someone from the dead and the thing that he says for our benefit is, Father, thank you that you've heard me. What's he demonstrating? That heart of thankfulness, that intimacy with the Father, that relationship that is there that is about to release incredible power in the moment because he's following what the Father is having him do 
in, that, in his time and in his day. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. My favorite dramatization of this is Carmen from back in the 90s for all of you who were around then. Anybody else? Carmen? You remember that guy? He has a great version of this that is very 90s and very awesome. About Jesus calling Lazarus out of the grave. There's power in our intimacy with the Father. And we only get to intimacy with the Father when we come to Him from a place of thanksgiving. We first have to have new life in Christ. But our life as believers is to stay in that place of prayer and communion with Him, rejoicing always, praying continually, and in all things giving thanks. This is His will for us in Christ Jesus. When, when you come out of darkness into light, you come out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the Son that the Father loves, and you're in Christ, and His will for you in Christ is that you rejoice always, you pray continually, and in every situation you're in, you give thanks. And we recognize there's sacrifice in that. Intimacy costs us something. It costs us something. It has to cost us something. If you want intimacy with any other person on this planet, it will cost you something. Most, like on the surface level, it costs you your time of the things that you would rather do or the things that you really feel like you need to do so that you can be with that other person. Their life will inconvenience you. It'll cost you something. Their pain is going to be challenging for you because you love them and it's going to cost you something. The efforts that you put forth are energy that could have been spent somewhere else and that's going to cost you something. Your intimacy with God is going to cost you something. Is He worth it? Is he worth it? I recently heard Bill Johnson say something to the effect. I'm not going to get the quote exactly right. But it's this, that the power that we bring into any conflict in spiritual warfare is going to be limited by the degree of intimacy that we've been to with the Father. You understand what I'm saying? When we come into praise and worship like we did today, we got to leave something here. Because it should cost us something. Our prayer life with the Lord 
is going to cost us something. But it'll bring us to places of intimacy and worship and in in relationship with him to where the power that he can release through us into any given situation is there already ready to go. That makes sense. We're not walking into the situation like, all right, well, I'll get, get myself warmed up for this battle. We come into that place already warmed up for the battle because we've been with our Father. And like Jesus, we can say, Lord, I thank you that you've heard me. What does that mean? They were already talking about this. The Father's already heard his heart. There's preemptive action that goes when we're, we live in that place of prayer with him. We live in that place of thanksgiving with him. And he releases power into the atmosphere and into the environment that we're in. The absence of thanksgiving in our lives leaves us in a place, in an environment of lack. Do you understand that? It's lack. The orphan lacks. The orphan does not have unless they get for themselves because they don't have a giver that they're in relationship with. A son knows that they have access to all the father's resources because there's relationship there. And he has no lack. Being in a place of thanksgiving and thankfulness removes us from that environment of lack to that environment of abundance, knowing that for every need that I have, he's already provided it and he will supply it when I need it. All I have to do is ask. You do not have because you do not ask. So ask. Ask. Hallelujah. We have a father who's a good, good father. And it's his heart to protect us. We've been in an environment recently where we have seen attacks from us in many on us in many different ways. And we've been praying for these situations as we should. We've been praying for healing. We've been praying for the Lord's intervention. We've been doing all those things and that's it's good. We should be doing that. But we're at a place right now where the line in the sand needs to be drawn. Do you hear what I'm saying? Where the line in the sand needs to be drawn Where we call out the enemy on what he's done, we say, wait a second, we're sheep of his flock. We reside in his pasture. And you're out of bounds right now. What did Israel do when they went into battle? They sent out some men ahead of them to give thanks to the Lord. And recognize that it's by his might and his power that the day's going to be won. They had enemies encroaching on their land. When David went in, into battle, he recognized, you're on my property and you have no business being here. It's time to get off. And I can't lose here because I'm the Lord's and this is his battle.
Folks, we've been pressing into the Lord. We've been seeing retaliation from the enemy. These types of things are skirmishes. They're meant to strike fear into our hearts. We're not going there. We're going to keep pressing on towards the Lord. We're not going to let fear overtake us. When I say we're not going to let fear overtake us, I'm not meaning... That means everybody has to be in church right now and and put themselves at risk. Okay? There's folks that are making decisions not to be here because they find themselves at risk. We honor that. It's important for us to be wise. There's folks that are scared of all sorts of things right now. doesn't matter what you're scared of. If you're scared of something and you're in a place of fear, the Lord wants to overcome that in your life. He says we are not going to be ruled by fear. The enemy will do everything he can to scare us off of what God has called us to. And our job is to stand firm in that day and call on the Lord with a heart of thanks and say, Lord, come and do what only you can do. So, I'm going to ask some men to stand with me today. Men, are you willing to do that? I'm not being sexist. We're going to follow the order that the Lord has given us. When it talks about the husband being head over the wife, it doesn't mean the husband being head over the wife and dominating the wife. The word that's there is kephale. Some of you remember the teaching that we have for this. Kephale is a different type of head. It's the type of head from a battle military type of standpoint that says, this is the one who goes into battle first. This is the trusted leader who puts themselves at risk first for the one that is behind them, self-sacrificially. All right? Over this house, I'm the kephale for this house. Do you understand that? The Lord says, you have to be willing to go into battle because that's just like Christ. Men, you're the kephale of your home. You have to go into battle there first. Now, women, that does not keep you from battle. That does not keep you from spiritual warfare. Because after we men stand, I'd like the ladies to stand too. So that we as a people over this house say, no further will this come. So guys, I invite you to stand right now. It's important that the enemy hears what we have to say. Do you understand? He can't read your mind. So it's important that he hears what we have to say. We're going to start with two things. We're going to say this. Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. Why is it that we're going to say this? We're saying this because... His people across history have repeated this 
because it has been true, it is true, it will continue to be true. And we're going to declare here that we are going to give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. The Father's love protects us. So with me, men, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And say this as well. Enemy, you will come no further. Enemy, you will come no further. You are out of bounds. You are out of bounds. You will get off this land. You will get off this land. Leave us alone. Leave us alone. We are the Lord's. We are the Lord's. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. If you're at home right now, I encourage you to join in with us because we're going to do this again with the ladies. Ladies, please stand with us. I am so thankful for the women of God. Man, I'm going to tell you right now, there's some ladies that are some mighty warriors. They are mighty warriors. Speaking to the men, don't be in a place where you discount any woman because she's a woman. We have some women that are trained mightily for battle. And the Lord uses them very strategically. And men, I'll tell you this too. We have things that we are to learn from our wives and from the women that God has put into our lives. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All of us together, we're going to say, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And I'm going to invite everybody who's online too right now to stand because this house is not just this physical location. This house is this family of God. And we depend on the Spirit of God to protect us. We depend on our Father who loves us. And we're not standing for this anymore. You know, when David came before the Philistine army, he had a righteous anger for what he was experiencing. I don't know about you, but I am angered by what I've seen the enemy do to our people. I'm angered by what I'm seeing him do to people in our region. I'm angered by what I'm seeing him do to people who I love and care about who are in different parts of the earth here. Because he's encroaching on what God is doing. He's encroaching on God's people. He's trying to take us out. He always does that. It's not anything new. But in this hour, it is important for us to say, no further. No further will you come. So in this hour, we declare that we will give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. So with me, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Again, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And just say, you are good, Lord. You are good, Lord. Hallelujah. We are sheep of your flock. Just give him thanks right now. I just encourage you. Just praise him. Just praise him. And say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you, Lord, for your deliverance. We thank you, Lord, for your good. We thank you, Lord, for your protection. We thank you, Lord, that we will see your victory. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in this house, what you're doing in this hour, for what is to come. Lord, we thank you for the promises that the enemy is trying to keep us back from. We thank you for your victory, Lord. And we will stand, Lord. We will stand. If we can do nothing else, we will stand and declare that we, you are good. We give thanks to you. And your love endures forever. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Give him a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We're not on the defensive any longer, folks. We're on the offensive. Today. Hallelujah. 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 Devil, you must house. You have no authority here. You have no authority here. This is our father's house, not yours. Get your hands off our people. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 I'd encourage you right now to just start praying in tongues. If you have your heavenly language, just start praying in tongues. If you don't have your heavenly language, I just want you to start... As they come to you, give the Lord thanks for specific things that you have seen in your life this week. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your victory. Lord, I thank you for how you're stirring your people. Lord, I thank you for how you're giving us dreams, Lord. I thank you for how you're giving us vision, Lord. Lord, I thank you for... For the healings that are coming, Lord Jesus, for your people. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Lord, I thank you for salvations right now in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, that you're turning the tide right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that no weapon that is formed against us shall prosper. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. No weapon that is formed against us shall prosper in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Give him a shout of praise right now. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You are good, Lord. Your mercies, Lord. Hallelujah. Your loving kindness endures forever, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you that we are your people. We are sheep of your flock and that we abide in your pasture, Lord. We just thank you. Hallelujah. Lord, you are such a good shepherd. You are such a good shepherd. Teach us your ways, Lord. Teach us your ways, Lord. Lord, teach us how to pray. Lord, I ask right now over, over your people that you would give us prayer strategies this week, Lord Jesus. Lord, as we are in a time of thanksgiving, let that just resonate and resound with us, Lord, that we wouldn't be focused on Thursday, Lord, but we would be focused through this entire time in a season of thanksgiving and giving thanks to you, Lord Jesus, amidst anything else that we see or experience, that our hearts would be inclined to you, the good giver, Lord, and we would just thank you and thank you and thank you. Hallelujah, Lord. Lord, we thank you.
for strongholds that are being shattered right now, Lord Jesus. Lord, I just thank you right now for depression that's being broken right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Who's got pain in their body right now? Who's got pain in their body right now? Just raise your hand high. Wow. Wow. All right. Whether you've got pain in your body or not, I just want you to extend hands towards one another right now, okay? Father, we call on your name right now. We call on the name of your son, Jesus. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you paid the price. Lord, like Tim shared today, Lord, that you paid the price on the cross for our healing. You made that decision, Lord, before time, and you played it out in time 2,000 years ago. That it is your will that we be healed. So right now, Lord, we take authority over all pain in this room right now in the name of Jesus. If you're online and you're in pain, I just ask that you just reach your hand towards the screen. Lord, we just take authority over all pain right now. All sickness, all infirmity, Lord. Anything that's chronic right now in the name of Jesus, we command it to be broken in Jesus' name. Let it be broken right now in Jesus' name by His stripes. Jesus, You are the healer. And we thank You, Holy Spirit, that You're coming right now and You're touching us with Your healing grace. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. We take authority over these things in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Lord, we pray for knees right now. We pray for knees right now, Lord, that are weak. Lord, that you would strengthen weak knees right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Does somebody have an ACL that was torn and you've been having problems? Somebody, ACL that was torn, raise your hand. Here? Yes? Yeah? Not sure? Okay, maybe. If you got your hands up for an ACL, I just want whoever's with you nearby just to lay hands on you right now. Just go lay hands on them. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, right now, we just pray and we release new sinews there, Lord. New tendons, all the tissue, Lord, there that has been torn or divided in the name of Jesus, that it would come together right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we pray for heat to come right now into that, into that knee. Lord, we just pray for creative connections to be made right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Do you have some? All right. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Okay. Hallelujah. Um, so, knee and the ACL. You called that out? Hallelujah. Um, I saw a heart valve that isn't opening and closing in the right timing when it's supposed to. Does anybody have an issue with a heart valve? Raise your hands. Anybody? Okay. If you're online and that's you uh, and you have the ability to, just put a comment in there Mm -hmm. so we can pray for you specifically. Is someone having difficulty in the vision of their left eye? Something's going on with the vision in your left eye. It's hard to tell. Anybody have problems in their okay. right eye? There we go. Okay. 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 
um, and then pain in the side of your jaw that's actually shooting up over the head. So it originates in the jaw and moves upward. Okay. Does anybody have pain in their jaw? Thank you. Anybody? Thank you. Okay. Then the other was confusion and depression. Oh, okay. All right. You didn't have to sit down. Stand back up. (laughs) Up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. Let's stay up. Lord, right now we pray for those that have... uh, Lord, eyes that are, are in pain, Lord Jesus, or have any sort of uh, cloudiness in them, Lord Jesus, or any, any sort of malfunction that's going on right now, Lord, we just speak sight to blind eyes in the name of Jesus. Lord, that you would perfect eyes right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, whether it's the left eye or the right eye, right now, Lord Jesus, we just speak wholeness over eyes in, in vision right now in Jesus' name. Lord, do your work right now. We thank you, Lord. Lord, wherever there's a lack of clarity right now, we come against that in Jesus' name. We speak perfect clarity, perfect clarity in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray over the heart right now where the valve isn't working correctly, Lord. Just a complete healing of that valve, Lord, and the function of it right now, that everything would pump and open and close properly. In Jesus' name, 100% efficiency right now in Jesus' name, that there would be no loss, that there would be no turbulence there. In Jesus' name, we speak 100% efficiency. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. And, Lord, that it would be verifiable. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord Jesus. And, Lord, I pray for anybody who has a trouble in their jaw right now, Lord Jesus, any, any pain that's there, Father, we just speak a perfect healing of this in Jesus' name. Any nerve challenges, any joint challenges, if there's arthritis or any, any sorts of growth that's there, in the name of Jesus, I command that to be healed and be cleared up in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Father, we are so thankful. We are so thankful, Lord. Holy Spirit, we're thankful for your presence here today. We're thankful for how you've met with us here today, Lord. We're thankful for what you've released in, this, in us here today, Lord. Lord, I just ask right now that you would make us as a people a grateful people, a thankful people. Lord, people whose hearts are inclined to give you thanks and praise, Lord. Lord, I ask right now that you would make our Father's house, Lord, amongst other things, a house of worship and praise to you, Lord, a house of thanksgiving to you. We just thank you, Lord, and we ask, Lord, that you would do an incredible, deep, abiding work in us, Lord, that you would bring transformation in our lives, Lord. We thank you, Father. We draw on heaven right now, and we call upon your name, Jesus. And, Lord, we stand firm in this place and say, Enemy, you can come no further. You must get out of here. You cannot withstand what God is doing here, and you will not stand against the victory that he has in us as a people. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I bless your people this week. I ask that as you you are with us, Lord, as we travel, as we meet with others, Lord, 
that you would protect us, Lord, and you keep us in a place, Lord, where we could be in joy and thanksgiving and giving praise to you and fellowship with one another, Lord. Lord, I pray against uh, contentious conversations this week with family, with friends, with uh, people that we are acquainted with, Lord, that we would be a people of peace, Lord Jesus. We would be a people of peace who seek to live in peace with all as much as we can, Lord. We just thank you that you would enable us to be peacemakers in situations that may be contentious, Lord, that we would carry with, with us the peace of your presence, Lord. I thank you for your people, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Just give him a clap of praise for this morning. Hallelujah. All right. Well, greet one another as you go out. Uh, If anybody needs prayer for anything, I just invite you to the front here. I'm going to be here. I'd love to pray with you. Otherwise, be blessed. Enjoy one another. Have a wonderful uh, wonderful Thanksgiving, and we'll see you next week. God bless you.